Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Doc Tales. We are coming to you live this afternoon, and my guests are David and Amy from Sail Away. They're going to tell you a little bit more about their boat and themselves. But for those who are new to this series, this is Doc Tales with a T A L E S, meaning stories. And we bring on different gold loopers every couple of weeks to tell the stories of their great loop adventures. So, of course, it is also during the traditional Doc Tales time, spelled like cocktails, because that is the <laughs> traditional time at the end of the day as everyone ties up to the dock or gets all settled in their anchorages and sits back with a beverage of choice. So I, I see that David and Amy have that, and I've got my glass cheers. here as well. So cheers to everyone like. else joining us. Um, <laughs> David and Amy, thanks for being here. We really appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having us. And I, I don't want to call you out right away, but you were so, you introduced us so nicely as Amy and David. And our last name is Doidle, which mm -hmm. nobody normally can pronounce. So I'll just say it's Doidle. <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, sometimes we have people who prefer, and, and I know you're, you're out there on social media. Oh. Sometimes we have people who prefer to remain a little bit more incognito. And since I forgot to ask you that before we started, I did actually <laughs> consciously not say your last name, but I also probably would have butchered it. So <laughs> Doidle from Sail Away. And why don't we start? Tell us about your boat and about its interesting name. Well, the boat, we have um, two boats. And the one we did the loop on is a 36-foot Albin trawler. It was a single screw, Ford uh, Lehman 120, very economical, very dependable. Uh, and we just loved it. We still do. It's, it's our heart boat. Yeah. <laughs> It's your heart boat and um, your looping boat, but you have since upgraded to a larger boat. So tell us we about that a, one. And did you keep the same name? We kept the same name. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't add a, you know, two or actually it's our third sail away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, we were about, well, when we started the loop, we'd sold our house. And we weren't sure what we were going to do in the future as far as where we we're going to live. We figured we have at least a year doing the loop, figure it out. Um, and about halfway through the loop, we realized we really enjoyed this lifestyle. So uh, we wanted to upgrade the boat to be instead of just a, you know, our adventure boat to be our house on the water. Mm -hmm. For the foreseeable future, hopefully we'll, you know, 10, 10 years or so. Yeah. So we got a, uh, we had a few criteria that we were looking at for that long term. Um, so it, so it ended up being, yeah, a forty-four foot high star with a sun deck, and um, actually much bigger than we were looking for. You know, because you have your list and then you got to compromise on some things. So we compromised on the length. We were going to go like 40, 42, and uh, this boat had everything and more we were looking for. So, um, And it worked. Yeah. Well, so it's always a compromise. So um, tell us what some of the things on your list were that were at the top of the priority. So things that you weren't going to compromise on. In the end, you compromised on the length and got a little bit bigger than you planned. But what are some of the features that were must-haves and that you actually – have on the new boat. <laughs> the must-haves were a uh, queen-size walk-around in the aft cabin, mm -hmm. uh, a salon with no built-in banquettes, and a hard cover over the sun deck. So that, after, after that, after that, everything would work. We could, we could, yeah. So tell us, because you had, obviously, um, you completed the whole loop before you bought the new boat, correct? Correct. Yes, so you did. had that looping experience and that liveaboard experience behind you. So tell us what it was that made you know that those were the features you needed. Wow. Oh, well, okay. So the walk around bed, you know, we spent a little over two years on the 36-foot Alvin mm -hmm. um, and loved it. At, we would have been happy with that, I think, forever. Um, but it was just, 
the walk around bed because in the Albin, it's a nice size bed. It's really comfy, but David would have to crawl over me or vice versa, kind of, <laughs> kind of like that. And I um, fall asleep. I fall asleep really easily, so I'm fine with that. But then it was also kind of my incentive. It's like, well, if I have him crawl over me, then he'll have an incentive to either buy you know, her a bigger boat. No, just I was thinking he'll probably redo the aft cabin and just move the bed into the center, right? Because it's been done. But instead, you just got a new boat. Yeah. <laughs> and and tell us about um, you wanted uh, no banquette seating too. That that's an interesting one. Um, the Albin had uh, banquette seating around the table is. You know, most of the 36 foot, uh, you know, Taiwanese trawlers have. Mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to be able to put our own comfortable chairs uh, in that area to be able to move it around and and put our feet uh, up. Yeah, recline. Mm -hmm. Just a little more moving around space. We're getting have older. It, yeah, and have it be more like a living room, like a cottage. You know, just. Kind of the comforts of home so yeah so i love that you had those experiences of living aboard on your boat um because nobody's starting out when they buy their first boat to live aboard really knows how important those different features might be to them until they've actually experienced them so i love that you went out and and, and kind of had that experience for a couple of years and then upgraded based on what you were looking for so you've you are now currently the proud owners of two boats. <laughs> I don't know how proud we are about that. But so the we didn't have, much, uh, we didn't have uh, much of a choice, you know? It's like, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and we didn't want to sell the Albin before mm -hmm. we bought a new boat just to, to move into. Um, right. That, that posed a lot of problems for us if we had sold the Albin and couldn't purchase the boat we wanted for a length of time. Yeah. So David and Amy did post today to the AGLCA forum and to Facebook, the, the Yacht World um, link to their album. So feel free to check that out. And um, David and Amy, when we wrap up, if you want to post the link to that right in the comments, okay. to this, you're certainly welcome to for those who might be interested. And that's um, a benefit of AGLCA membership is you can promote a boat that you personally are selling um, in our social media. So uh, David and Amy, you're, you're welcome to do that. The detail Thanks. we haven't covered yet is how you came up with the name of the boat. And you said that the Albin wasn't the first sail away. So um, obviously it's a name that has stuck with you. So tell us about it. So, you know, how do you name a boat? You mm -hmm. know, uh, there's so many different ways you can name a boat. And I, I'm not exactly sure how, how it came to be, but the term Sela uh, is a Hebrew term, and we both are very um, familiar with um, the Old and New Testament of the Bible, and it's uh, a big part of our lives. So the term Sela you'll find in the Psalms, the book of Psalms, and it's a term that has several meanings, and one of the meanings is to pause and consider, or to pause and meditate. What do you say? And re reflect on what the uh, passage of the Psalm spoke to you. Yeah. Like think about this. It also means praise. So all of those kind of fit in, in our idea of boating because, you know, being on a boat, you have a lot of time to just, you know, at the end of the day, sit and reflect on the day, you know, it, it's just, it's very peaceful thought to have and um, praise because we're pretty darn thankful to be able to do what we're doing. Um, it wasn't really something we yeah. planned for a long time. So it just kind of happened. And so Selah, way, uh, plan words. And it, it's a great conversation starter because some people will say, I like the name of your boat. And you know, and you know, they understand the term Selah. So there's an instant connection. And those who don't, it's, you know, it's a great conversation, so. Well, and it's a great boat name for you because it's, it's clever, um, but it also fits you. And th those are my favorite boat names when there is a story like that behind it. And it's very meaningful, very fitting for the boat owners. So I'm glad that you've stuck with that through multiple boats. 
Um, yeah. Mentioned- well, yeah. We have to. I have to. One last thing because. Uh, oh well. <laughs> okay. It was our first argument about yeah. the boat. Really? Well, good. no, not really. Not really an argument, but it was the first discussion I lost. But David, <laughs> David blows the shofar, and if you don't know what a shofar is, Google it. But he'll blow the shofar. It's kind of like um, in the keys, uh, people blow the conch mm-hmm. at sundown to the Poseidon god. Is that what it is? God of the ocean. God of the ocean. Well, in the Jewish tradition, a shofar is blown as a call to prayer. So David's always blessing the shofar when he hears the conch shells. And <laughs> but, so, so we have this dinghy, right, that we trail behind us a lot of times. And the dinghy's name is Shofar Away. <laughs> That's perfect. I love that. <laughs> so he got he got he got his way. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, so you mentioned that when you were getting ready to start the loop, um, you sold your house. So we have lots of, oh, and I do want to mention for those of you that are watching on Facebook, if you type into the comments, we can see that. So if you have questions for David and Amy, feel free to type them into the comments. We can pop them up and, and they can answer those questions. Or if you just want to say hello to them, if you've met them cruising, feel free to do so. Um, but you mentioned that you did sell your house. So since we have so many people planning right now to eventually do the loop in the next couple of years or even further beyond that. It's a really difficult decision for many, whether or not to hold on to that dirt house, as we tend to call them, or whether to sell it and go all in. That's another phrase you'll hear out there on the loop again a lot um, and become a live aboard only. So tell us how that decision was for you and how you came to make it that you were going to sell the dirt house and, and just move aboard. That was probably our first argument. <laughs> <laughs> we may argue about where the first arguments was. <laughs> um, it was getting to be my time for retirement. Uh, we had a custom built post and beam house up in the mountains in Vermont uh, on 20 acres, mostly woodlands. We lived and- there for 40 years. Yeah, and it was we just, built it. Yeah, we built it. Raised our kids there. Uh, but the property was just getting a little too big for us to manage. It was okay for, you know, like right now, but we could foresee in the very near future it was going to be a struggle. So there was a component of downsizing, uh, both on property, a uh, component of Vermont winters are brutal. Uh, we were both skiers. We were both ski bums. But, you know, that was kind of going on the, the downside. Uh, and neither of our kids wanted the house. So we said, well, they had their is, own, so yeah. yeah. And uh, it was just a, a we were going to downsize. Let's just sell it now. Well, easy for him to say. He said, I just think we should sell it. And I was, I was, um, you know, downsizing, cleaning out the uh, garage, not the garage, the basement, the attic. I was getting the house, I don't know, ready so that we could travel. And um, I kept data. It was about 16 to 17 months that I would go through this process of downsizing everything, getting rid of everything. I was already sold. (laughs) He was already sold. You know, back in probably November... Before we left, he said something like, we should just sell it. And I said, don't even talk to me about selling the house. I'm not anywhere near that. And um, that was the same year you probably, got Yeah, but probably by the end of January before we left, I had it ready to rent out for a year. So I just thought, why not sell it? And so it, it just was a process. You know, six months earlier, I would have said absolutely not. But as the weeks and months went by, it was just kind of a natural process. And we met with our financial planner after that. And he said a lot of um, people that are retiring, one of the mistakes they make, he says, is holding on to their home for too long. Mm -hmm. So we put it on the market and it sold the next day. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah. Yeah. this might be the, a good segue in, but um, <laughs> hi, Michelle. 
Michelle and Paul are saying hi from their main ship. Um, Slow down. Turn around. <laughs> so at the same time that, that we were trying that we were considering selling the house, um, Amy got diagnosed with bladder cancer. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, you know kind of slowed things down, but it also let us pause and reflect um, about what the important things in our life were. And you know, being on the boat and traveling, and Amy always liked the. She grew up in Lake Ontario, and her dad had big boats. And so it was a natural for me. I never dreamed. I never dreamed that we'd actually own a boat ourselves. You know, as a kid, I I loved it. But so, um, Amy, you you told Michelle that they should slow down, Um, and Michelle (laughs) says that you need to hurry up and catch up. So I'm assuming that (laughs) got cruising out there. Um, We'll catch them. They only go 15 miles a day. They left (laughs) us. They just left us in Cumberland, in Georgia, and they're probably already in Virginia or something. (laughs) (laughs) So your big boat that you're going to continue cruising on is in Savannah. So you're going to be heading up the East Coast with lots of loopers pretty shortly. So we're excited for you for that. Michelle says they are in Swansboro, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. $1.50 a foot for a dock in Swansboro. We're headed there. Um, and we've got a couple more shout outs for you. Susan and Greg from Lucky Me are with oh, us. Hi, Susan and Greg. Susan and Greg. Hi, guys. Crew of Adagio here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Greg and, uh, yeah, Dave and Denise on Adagio. We've been traveling with them quite a bit. And thankfully, they're getting their boat work done, too, so they can't get too far ahead of us. <laughs> so, um David, you brought up Amy's cancer diagnosis, and Amy is one of the authors uh, of one of the chapters in the Ladies on the Loop book, which Susan Costa put together, um, and you can find that in the AGLCA uh, document library. You can reach out to Lucky Me Looping, and they can get you a copy as well. It's an ebook, um, but that's what was kind of, Amy kind of focused on some of the obstacles that the two of you faced while looping, and that certainly was a big obstacle, and um, of course, Unfortunately, it's not a unique obstacle because we have had other loopers in that same situation. But talk, if you can, Amy, about how you dealt with having your diagnosis and needing treatment, but making the decision to continue looping. So talk about that from kind of an emotional standpoint of how you make that decision, but also a practical standpoint on how you continue to uh, get the treatment that you need while you're continuing to cruise, because that might also be a pretty big obstacle for some. Oh, yes. Um, Yeah, it's a, it's a balancing act, you know, um, trying to figure out the practical while you're dealing with the emotional. And of course, one influences the other. And the, you know, my cancer was a high grade cancer, it came out of nowhere, um, as it always does, right. And the uh, diagnosis wasn't great because it was a high grade and very likely to come back. So in other words, I'm going to be dealing with this for a while. Even though it didn't seem that bad at the time, the awesome thing was that it was stage zero. So I didn't have to do chemo or anything. I did what they called um, immune. Immunotherapy. (laughs) Immunotherapy. So it was like a preventative um, treatment that I would receive every three months um, that would build up my immune system so that the cancer wouldn't come back. And this was specifically bladder cancer. So I had surgery beforehand. I have now only one kidney, which is not an issue. You only need one, I guess. Apparently. <laughs> Found that out. And, you know, some some close family members would said, you know, oh, you shouldn't sell your house when your health is in this state, you know, get things figured out first. But I felt like, you know, if we were going to do this, let's do it now. Right. Because I felt fine. And the other thing that helped me make the decision was if I needed treatment or if I needed medical help. I knew that um, David had my best interests at hand. Like he was gung ho and really focused on doing the loop. 
but I knew when it came down to it, I was going to be his priority. I had no doubt about that. So that was the emotional part that let me make the decision just to do it. I think there was, uh, right as she was getting her kidney removed, uh, afterwards, she was talking with our surgeon in Vermont. And one of the first questions she asked him is, we're planning on doing this great loop on a boat for the next year. You know, what are we, what will we be looking at? And he said, you should have no problems with it. We have surgeons, I'm, you know, friends with these doctors all the way around. We told them where the major cities were. And he said, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't look like it would be an obstacle at all. And I had to get a scan every three months. And, and then it returned just before we took off on the loop. It came back. And that was, you know, another unexpected um, turn. Even though they told us it most likely is going to come back soon but it didn't right away and you know six months later it did so then I had to do definitely all these treatments and the treatments last for six weeks but it's only once a week and um, after the surgeon said yeah as long as you get your your scans every three months and you can do that anywhere at any hospital and um, then I started treatments and he said you just have to find somewhere where you can get your treatments so that was the big hurdle yeah, that she simp <laughs> simplified that <laughs> a little more complex. It sound pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, it was a little more difficult. Yeah, there were some but, tears involved, as I remember. Um, but logistically, travel-wise, uh, we just had a plan ahead to where we were going to uh, be settling the boat for these six-week intervals. So, as a as a uh, this is a, as an example. So we left Vermont, Lake Champlain, um, to head down to uh, Lake, no, well, to the Erie Canal. And before we left Lake Champlain, I'd already had three treatments, three weeks. So then now we're in Waterford. Waterford. Everybody who's done the loop knows Waterford. It's the start, eastern start of the Erie Canal. So we're in Waterford. Waterford tie up the boat and my sister picks me up and heads back to Vermont with me so I can do my next weekly treatment. So David just stayed on the boat and I headed three hours up to Vermont, got my treatment and came back. And while I was gone though, it was kind of interesting. Well, yeah, cause all the loopers are coming to Waterford. They're tying up and you know, I'm social as I am talking with these people. And they go, oh, how long have you been on the loop? And I said, well, three days. She was, where's your wife? I said, oh, she already <laughs> went back to Vermont. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> so that so some people may think I really left at that point, but I did come back. And then we'd, we'd travel a little bit further west. Yeah, get a rental car. Tie up the boat somewhere secure, you know, where we had, we knew where it was and it was safe. Get a rental car, head back to Vermont, get another treatment, move the boat a little bit further west and and, it works. and that's one of the things that I think until you've looped and particularly if you're kind of the um, laid back looper, as Eddie Johnson likes to say, and you're not traveling very fast and not going a substantial number of miles every day. Um, you know, when my when my parents used to cruise at that speed in their trawler, um, we would figure for every day they moved the boat, they were only about another hour by car away. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's exactly the that's way it is. And once you figure that out, it kind of becomes a little bit easier to figure out logistically if there's some place you want to be by car or somebody who needs to get to you. It's not that big of a stretch, especially when you're kind of making that westerly turn. You're, you're not getting that much further away from Vermont. So I'm, I'm thrilled that that worked out for you. Um, that did. You found some, after that initial six, six weeks of treatment where you were going back to Vermont, you, all, you still had to find some additional hospitals for yeah. scans and things like that along yeah, the way. Yeah, I, I had surgery again in Chicago, and then I had to do treatments after that. So we headed down the rivers and would, you know, stop, run back to Chicago for treatments. And, but we ended up stuck in Green Turtle Bay until December 8th. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, that slowed us down. But after that, we caught up. Yeah, and, and for those of you who haven't done the loop yet um, and were wondering why that sounded like a grave situation when Amy said that they were stuck in Green Turtle Bay into December, it's just because it's cold. <laughs> <You're> stuck. <laughs> it was a great place to be stuck. 
Um, <laughs> Grand Turtle Bay is a great place to be, but but of course, yeah. most of them are further south by then because the warmer oh, yeah. weather is my friend. <laughs> and um, then the update to all that is I've had five clear scans since January yeah. 2020, so we're good. We just keep going. We love that. And I thank you for sharing that um, because honestly, I you are extremely brave both of you to continue under those circumstances with multiple surgeries and multiple treatments. And um, we love to hear that you have been clear for that long. And of course, pray that that will remain the case. Um, would you do it differently? You know, knowing now what, what, you know, <laughs> hindsight, um, but you know, knowing you left and had the, you knew you had the treatments coming, but you didn't know you would necessarily have another surgery. Would you do it the same way? Would you kind of jump in and, and Leland did mention, uh, I don't know if you know Leland McClellan. He is, of course, a looper, but enjoy every day. And that's great advice. And that's what you two chose to do. But would you do the same yeah. thing? Yeah, Absolutely. Not without hesitation. Yeah. And then um, so it, and now I'm getting my treatments and I've um, I've changed my surgeon to a surgeon in Tampa at the Moffitt Cancer Center. And if we hadn't been traveling, I wouldn't have found him. And he he writes the, the books for this treatment. So I'm we're definitely in the best place we can be. Yeah. Love that. Love to hear it. We've got a couple more shout outs to you. Uh, Pete and Susan from the crew of Reverie. Say hello. Hey. And Kathy from Happy Trails. So oh, love you guys. This is really like Dak Tales, but you guys don't get to talk much. It is. So, yeah. And, and we love the interactive part. If you were with us for the very first one of these with the Wilson family, um, we were doing it through Zoom, I think which works fine to stream this out there from two different places, but didn't give us the interactive part. So we love this tool we use now because we can <laughs> see your comments and um, it's a little bit more like DuckTales, exactly right. Yeah. Um, and Stephen Gloria say hello from the Little Tennessee River. Hi, Stephen nice. Gloria. Um, so let's jump into some of you know the, the more um, typical things about the loop. What are some of your favorite places that you visited and, and what is it that, that you liked about them? Uh, we got a, there's about 25 yeah, places. We got a script for this one. <laughs> it, it's always hard to ask that question because it's, um, and, and I usually say this when I'm presenting about what the things that were rated the best of the loop in a bunch of categories, it's a whole trip of bests. So, you know, for me to ask for your favorite places in a trip of favorites, <laughs> it's a challenge, but go ahead and, and give us a few of them. You give one. Okay. Favorite. One of my favorite um, sections of the loop is the Western Erie Canal um, from Oneida Lake to Lake Erie. It's just so it's it's quaint, uh, it's relaxing. There's all these little towns, free docks. Uh, it, it it was just wonderful. Well, and I'm happy to say, hear you say that about the Western Erie. Um, and I'm sure there's plenty of people listening and watching that are happy to hear you say that because that is going to be one of the more primary routes this season unless the U.S.-Canada border opens um, for citizens to cross in either direction. So I'm thrilled to hear that the Western Erie was one of your favorite places. Um, were there some more on your list? I know there were several yeah, more. Absolutely. Okay, I'll go. I'll give one. Okay. And Keo, Keo Costa which is on the Gulf side of Florida. Uh, one of our favorite places to hang out. It's just a very protected anchorage. It's big. So there's, you always run into other um, cruisers and loopers there and you can easily dinghy over to the island, which is great hiking and biking. And there's a beach on the other side and it's just one of my most favorite places. I love it. And and that I hear that from a lot of loopers. That's in the Fort Myers area, correct? Yes, just north of Fort Myers. Yeah, and Fort Myers is a looper favorite anyway. So having that exactly. beautiful language yeah. there, hard, hard to beat that. Any any yeah. more from you, Dave? A lot of our um, favorite places are on the west coast of Florida. Mm -hmm. um, and Anna Maria Island, uh, Cortez, Bradenton oh, Beach. Yes. Uh, we just love anchoring there. Uh, great restaurants, great beaches, laid back. Beaches are a big thing for us. So. I mean, yeah, if it's got a beach, it's beautiful, right? <laughs> there, absolutely. 
Um, and you mentioned on a few of those favorites, particularly on the west coast of Florida, you mentioned anchorages. So tell us a little bit about your cruising style. Do you tend to anchor more than tie up at marinas, some of both? What's what's kind of the ratio there for your boat? Uh, I think ratio is a little different, difficult. We did a spreadsheet, uh, mm -hmm. but because we had a stop for treatments and stuff for Amy, there are marina usage last year was a little higher than we wanted it. Uh, I think we'd, we'd probably anchor out 70% of the time. And I think when we, uh, if we looked back from the time we left Florida last year uh, in Jupiter to the time we got across our wake. Or even Fort Myers. We went across Okeechobee, Okeechobee. from Fort Myers up in, the east coast. Until we crossed our wake up at Donovan Shady Harbor I think we only had about six nights in marinas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. at the most. So what is it about anchoring that you enjoy? Well, it's quiet, uh, peaceful. Um, you don't feel like you're, you know, I don't know. I love marinas and I'm thankful for them, but you're close, you know, to all the other boats and it's kind of a, I don't know, we grew up in, you know, a, a very rural area. We lived in Vermont, extremely rural, 20 acres. We could, we could, you know, almost see our neighbors. Um, I, I'm just not a city person. I couldn't live in an apartment or a condo no. or a, even a housing tract. Honestly, housing development would be my worst nightmare. Um, I'm thankful for all those places and, where people live, but it's just not our style really, but we love people. It's not like we're, you know, hermits by any means. Yeah. And that was Notice. actually my next question is you're both are very social people and you're, you're known as that on the loop. Um, <laughs> so, and I know you've got great stories. So we've got lots of members who would like to anchor out most of the time for various reasons, whether it's the peace and the serenity or the solitude or um, the cost savings. But the cost savings is substantial. Hard to beat it. Yeah. <laughs> but some of them do worry because if, if they haven't started the loop yet, it's, it's, of course, known as a very social trip. And they worry that being at anchor will cause them to miss some of that social interaction. So what's been your experience with that? I don't think we've missed much of the social aspect of it. <laughs> so, yeah, we kind of seek people out, though. Like, we'll get in the dinghy and we'll go explore. And if that means you know, going to a marina to stock other looper boats. We do that, you know, for anchored near a marina. And, um, you know, I think Nebo helps. Yeah, Nebo's so, good. So we can at least see where um, some of the looper boats are near us. You know, if there's, if we have a, an anchorage picked out, but there's, you know, another looper just around the corner at a, at a marina, we'll switch our anchorages, you know, yeah, and for anyone who's watching who is not familiar with Nebo, it is a free app that AGLCA has adopted as a, kind of our member tracker, so to speak. It has lots of other features, and it will actually give you a report of your cruising, which is a really <laughs> neat feature. But it also shows the location of other boats who have chosen to make themselves visible, and any AGLCA member is marked in there with uh, the AGLCA logo instead of just a plain white dot. So. As David and Amy said, it's a great way to know if you're there are other loopers in the area that you might want to catch up with. So that's a great tip for having kind of the best of both worlds where you can be at a, a peaceful, serene anchorage, but also know if there's loopers nearby that you might want to hop in the dinghy and go visit. Uh, could you go ahead? Uh, we did have somebody ask uh, if you could repeat what kind of boat you're on. So David and Amy did the loop on one type of boat, which is now for sale. And they have another boat. So why don't you just give us the quick rundown on, on both your looping boat and your current boat? Hey, you the, okay. Uh, <laughs> we finished, we started and finished our uh, loop on a 36 foot Alvin trawler, 1980, uh, single screw. Stern uh, thrusters. Stern thrusters that we hardly ever used. Um, and, and then and then we just, um, the end of last summer, we purchased a 1988 High Star trawler 
which is a 44 foot, it's twin engine and um, has a sun deck and, you know, the aft cabin um, and it goes a little faster. The Elbin, we cruised it, say, five miles, six miles an hour. And then um, the That's high star. Six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now we cruise about 10 miles an hour, which is twice as fast as we were going before. Yeah. Which is still slow. But it's <laughs> twice as fast, though. <laughs> so we got a, a shout out to you from Brian. Uh, <coughs> oh, Brian's my cousin. Yeah. See, Brian. Um, He's Brian, the one that yes. started us down this road. Yeah. <laughs> ah. We went and visited him on their boat in the Thousand Islands a few years ago. Just an afternoon, took a boat ride with them up there on the St. Lawrence, and then everything started happening. You got the bug. Yeah, but Brian got the bug from my family because my dad built our first boat. We grew up on Lake Ontario cruising, and so Brian remembers you know, our family as being the boating family, so... <laughs> works both ways. Yeah. Keeps absolutely. on going around. So just one more question about anchoring, um, because I think often there's the misperception that most loopers tie up almost every night. So I love when we have someone who does a lot of anchoring so we can ask some of the questions that everybody has. Um, <laughs> ask away. So the dinghy question gets asked a lot, whether you need a dinghy on the loop. And, you know, my answer is always, it really depends on how frequently you intend to anchor and once you're at anchor, if you are truly just, you know, anchor for the night and moving on, or if you want to go exploring. So you obviously have a dinghy. Um, what else is your boat or was your looping boat equipped with to make anchoring more comfortable? A really good anchor and a windlass. <laughs> a good anchor. Like we switched out the anchor on the High Star when we purchased it because it, it was useless. Well, it wasn't working for us. Yes. <laughs> so what did you switch it out for? What's the new anchor? I don't know. We, we switched it out for the anchor that we had on the album when we did the loop. <laughs> <laughs> that and took that anchor with us. Um, it was a Manson Supreme. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of those, you don't know, the triangular with the loop over the top. Yes. And it's held securely for us for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Uh, we feel very comfortable with it. It sets very easy. Uh, when you swing in the rivers, it resets easy. Mm -hmm. So we sleep well at night. Well, he sleeps well at night. When I get up, I look outside. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure so. things that were there when you went to bed are still in the same place. It's just uh, a thing yeah. we do, right? I get yes, inlet anxiety as well. So. <laughs> I completely understand. Um, so let's see. We're, we talked about anchoring. Yeah, okay. Anchoring. Oh, so, wait, so one now, more thing. Yeah, yeah. As we're looping with the album, uh, you know, we'd identify things that we would make us more comfortable doing what we're doing. And one of them was uh, obviously electricity. And uh, although we had a generator on the album, you know, you don't like to use it that much because it makes noise and, you know, it's not, not so much a matter of the fuel it's using, but it's the noise it makes. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to put solar panels on. And it was difficult to figure out a way to put the solar panels, panels on the album. Not impossible, but, you know, it was a little, little more difficult. Trickier, yep. Mm -hmm. So with the, uh, our high star, with the hard, hard cover over the aft, uh, Jack, we could mount the solar panels right on that. It's like they were made for solar panels. Mm -hmm. So that was, that's wonderful. Having solar panels yeah. makes anchoring out so much nicer. Electricity so, and, and water. Yeah. And you mentioned the generator question, and that's been coming up a lot, um, both on Facebook and in our forum. And that is, you know, whether or not it is discourteous to run your generator at an anchorage. And, you know, the general consensus seems to be during the night and, and kind of the quiet hours that, yes, it is. But I do think, and someone said this in our forum and then just didn't really follow up on it. Um, but I do think that that decision is somewhat regional in nature because here in Charleston in the summer, it's pretty common to find people running the generator overnight in an anchorage because it's so blazing hot that you really need oh. that AC running. 
Whereas if you're on oh. Georgia Bay in the summer where most loopers are, you know, in the northern parts of the round, it's not nearly as hot. So I do think that factors in. But what was your experience? You obviously said you enjoy the quiet. Um, but what were your experiences along the way if you were in an anchorage with other boats? What was typically the generator patterns, if you will? And did they shut them off at night? And if so, is there a typical time you found that happening? Um, I don't think we were ever disturbed by... It was it was rare to, think, to hear one overnight. I think once in Cay Acosta, yeah. mm-hmm. a sailboat, mm-hmm. <laughs> he had one of those little suitcase generators on his back deck that was loud. Gotcha. Um, but they didn't run it all night. They ran it for, you know, up cooking and yeah, I think charging people- their batteries. But other than that, I think the etiquette is, you know, from four in the afternoon until seven, you know, during the dinner hour, and then, you know, you turn them off. Yeah. And I think with, like in, in Charleston, it's uh, when it's so hot and humid, you're inside anyway, so you don't right. hear other people's generators. That's also an excellent point. Yeah. So, yeah. so in, in the anchorages, another benefit of anchoring out is you get the breeze. And a lot of the marinas. You're at a dock, it's like, oof. Yeah, we don't use um, air conditioning at all. So we just use windows and the, and the breeze. And when you're in marinas, you tend not to have the breeze blowing through as much. Yeah. But so we're up north in the summertime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that does make a difference. But um, your cousin, Brian, uh, you were talking about your family and the boating background. Aww. My dad, he's been gone for many years, but um, yeah, he was a master sergeant in the Marines and he built his first boat, as I said, and he taught me really everything I know about boating. So I was pretty much his first mate because my mom didn't swim. So I was always the one out on the deck. And when he told me to get behind the helm, that's what I did. And, you know, I just did what he said and I learned a lot that way. He, gave yeah. me he did the same thing to David. Yeah, my first and only lesson <laughs> driving a big, big twin screw. Yeah. <laughs> Take it and out I'm of the dock. Always so. impressed by someone who has the capability to build their own boat and it actually floats. So yeah. that's what <laughs> I was my skill set. <laughs> so you also mm-hmm. mentioned uh, one of the differences between your Albin and your new boat is the single versus twin screw. So how is that adapting? And, you know, that is also an age old debate over which is, is better. So have you discovered you have a preference? The twist it's, screw is more expensive to run. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the lessons you learn on a twin screw are much more expensive. <laughs> 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 and we've been learning. <laughs> we've been learning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mostly about, I think the, the biggest lesson we've learned is how stupid I am. <laughs> we, we, we just have, moments when we're boating. We're, we're still we're still wounded from a little mishap we had a couple weeks ago. So don't listen to everything he's saying right here. But he, um, David, picked up maneuvering the single screw amazingly quickly, mm-hmm. um, and it's just it, it was. Every, you just have to do everything slow, unless, of course, the wind is yeah. the wind is blowing, and then he would just say, I'm coming in hot, which was always scary. But he was just very slow and calculated about figuring out how to maneuver a single screw and knowing that backing up wasn't the thing it did best. Um, but then when he got into the, yeah. uh, you know, behind the helm of the, the, the twin screw, Man, it's just so much easier to a lot easier get to into tight spaces, and it's it's not it's not something that's necessary, but less yeah. stressful than a single screw. I think one of the lessons we are one of the things we're learning is with the single screw and the protected prop. Um, you could be a little more cavalier about where you were going mm-hmm. uh, with the twin screw. You know, I've, I've, after driving that the album for so long, I've still have that kind of embedded in me. Oh, we can do this. And uh, you don't have the protective <laughs> props anymore. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you can get in, get into trouble, but 
hard lesson to learn. We're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's a lesson, but like I said, we all have those moments, regardless of what's causing the lesson, <laughs> we all learn. <laughs> um, so um, we just got one more question. The name of their boat is actually uh, what you're seeing um, right on their profile here. So it's sail away. Oh, sail away. Yep, sail away. Um, so that's how you can look for them. You can find them on Nebo. YouTube, Facebook. YouTube and Facebook. Absolutely. So this series is all about stories on the loop. So give us some of the best stories of unexpected things that happened out there or, you know, um, some of the, the best memories you made along the way. And sometimes those are, you know, those learning moments, but sometimes they're also just unusual or funny things that happened. So give us a few of those if you would. Remember that? Oh, guys. <laughs> um, I'll start with one while David's kind of looking at our notes that we thought about. We wrote mm -hmm. some things down. Um, I think starting out from Chicago. Um, Is this that story? In Oct no, we're not going to go there. Okay. <laughs> There's some stories we just won't go back over. <laughs> in October, when the um, two locks had been down and then there was like, how many boats, Kim, were ready to go down the rivers that last fall? This was in 2019. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was 70 something that were, you know, yeah, the, the locks opened on October 11th, if I'm not mistaken, and which is late in the season for boats to be leaving Chicago. So yeah, you were out there with about 70 the other. Yep, the late ones. Mm -hmm. um, so when we started down the rivers, like getting into, we were in a group. We were in like group number one or group A. And the, the people we met during that time, there were two that really, um, we stuck together with them. And it was um, Dick and Kathy on Great Escape mm -hmm. and Dalton and Jen on Easy Living. And somehow we just... You know, you just click with certain people and your boats are going the same same speed. And so we went down through those rivers together. And um, that was a real bonding experience because the rivers were at flood stage. Um, there were a lot of boats at one point and then we kind of all scattered. Um, but we stuck together all the way down to Green, Green Turtle, Turtle Bay. And it was it was an experience because those rivers were crazy fast. We were going 15 miles an hour at one point, normally going five, but because of the current, we ended up going 14 to 16 miles an hour. And there were, there were hazards, you know, and um, just building that friendship and the trust between the three of us, the three boats was really, really pretty fun. And we met up again, um, when we did the crossing, right? Uh, met Dalton uh, coming off the mobile bay. Yeah, so. And um, then traveled with him. Yeah, and we've just stayed in touch with both of those couples. And um, I think because that part of the trip was um, probably the most challenging for conditions. And uh, that, that was just really special. We're still in touch with them. We'll Another memorable one was crossing the Gulf. Mm -hmm. And we did that with uh, Dick and Kathy. Nope. No. Oh, uh, yeah. Dalton and Jen. Yeah. And Titan Princess with Rick. It, the thing about the crossing is, you know, it's like this thing in the back of your mind that you know you have to do. And it's talked about so much. And you think, oh, my gosh, we're going to die. Or, you know, you just you just have <laughs> it's. You know, it's it's scary to think about. It's like just because it's talked about so much and everything is unknown, right? So you do it with someone else and and uh I think you you think you're either gonna do it all at once, right? Like overnight, 24 hours, whatever it is, or you're gonna break it up into maybe three days. And we kind of did that. We broke it up into three days, but we didn't do it the way it was kind of laid out in the waterway guide or the way most people do it. So we did it the way the three of us decided that it made most sense. And um, that was really cool yeah. to go out to dog Island and 
cancel sure. the trip. <laughs> so what were the stops? So it sounds like you did the Big Bend route rather than going straight across, but what yeah, were the kind of? We went out and uh, staged at the eastern end of Dog Island. Mm -hmm. We thought we were going to leave the next day and the weather turned bad. So we spent two days at Dog Island. And we get up like at five o'clock in the morning. We're all ready to go. And we look and it's dark and, and we just knew, you know, it's just like, nope, let's spend a day here, which was beautiful. So we had our, our captain's meetings and we planned to go from Dog Island to Cedar Key and anchor out and go from Cedar Key to Crystal River and Crystal River to Tarpon Springs. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, the three of us left early in the morning in the fog and in dark. Yeah, in the dark. And we got to the uh, first turn where you, you come to that one buoy. And if you haven't done it before, you'll, you'll find that buoy. There's a marker where yeah. you make the turn. Uh, but before we got there, uh, Dalton and Rick called back to us on the radio and said, Well, can you go a little faster? Because if we go at this speed, we're not going to get to Cedar Key until, you know, like 10 o'clock at night. And just had to tell him, I said, I can't, can't go any faster. So, you know, why don't you two guys go ahead? You know, we know where the anchorage is. You know, we've all got it marked on charts and we'll meet you down there. And we might have to, to raft up with you at night instead of setting an anchor. And they took off and we kept them on our radar for a while. And then Amy and I went, I don't know, about 10 hours out across the Gulf, quiet waters, we had peaceful. Um, that was quite, you know, that was really memorable doing that and ended up rafting up with, with Titan Princess. Yeah. Late at yeah. night, we missed all the crab pots and it, it was, yeah, it was pretty amazing. So and I think Amy touched on this before is that the, uh, the friendships that you make and the bonds that are created are almost instantaneous when you're doing the loop. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was, a, uh, it took a while to understand that. that uh, yeah, it's, 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 we hear that a lot. And um, I, I do think we can say it a lot, but I think it really takes actually experiencing it to understand it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You can hear it and you can know it in your head, but you know, it takes a while. I'm one to do all, I can do everything by myself. I don't need any help. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me quite a while to, to, uh, you know, to realize that, you know, you can't, and you there's an independence, but there's also a dependence and a, and a reliance and, and knowing people are there, not just you and the AGLCA, but you know, you're, you know, you're like the, <laughs> The post that everybody, <laughs> everybody can, you know, can attach to it and know that everything's going to be okay. Oh, so Michelle wants you to tell your turtle rescue story. Well, okay. We were in the Keys. <laughs> I love, I mean, who doesn't love turtles and loggerhead turtles, right? So, I mean, dolphins, they're a given. They always fascinate us every single time we see them never get old, but turtles, when you see a turtle, that's pretty exciting. So uh, we were actually on our way to marathon and had a slip at one of the marinas and we ran into this couple that this great couple on agape. <laughs> Michelle and Paul. <laughs> and they were going just a little bit past marathon to anchor out of one of the outer keys. They are adventurers. Yeah. <laughs> Great people to hook up with. So we were going out um, to catch them and, and anchor out with them for a couple days. I think it was in the content keys, content key or something. And we were going through this big uh, field of crab pots. And you can see the uh, seagrass floating along and the big kind of small little islands of them. And we saw a little island off to our port side. And I thought, ah, you know, seagrass around one of the buoys. And all of a sudden you see this flapping. And I said, oh, that's a turtle. You know, it's caught in one of the, in the, one of the crab trap lines. 
So we go past it and, you know, there's this thing in the back of your mind that I think it's called a <laughs> conscience. <laughs> we were headed to an anchorage. Yeah. We're, we had a plan. And, and I'll put a, a tool is endless summer. You know, they're great people. And uh, one of their early turtles. ones is how much they love turtles. And, and they were kind of like the impetus for me going on this, um, to the trawlers. I'm thinking, oh, like Sierra would just uh, she'd <laughs> shake her head at me if we didn't do something. So put the boat in neutral, put the dinghy in the water. Amy's driving the, the boat. And when you're up in the flybridge, you can see everything. When you get in the dinghy, you can't see anything. The waves are <laughs> like this. Yeah, it wasn't a very calm day. but So she, Amy uh, had to point out where the turtle was, and I could get the dinghy over to the turtle finally. And pull the line up, unwrap the, the line from its leg and let it swim away. I mean, his so, first attempt wasn't so, so easy. Yeah, it took he, a while. Know, to, he had to come back to the boat and grab a boat hook and I was avoiding crab pots, but he eventually got back yeah. there and These things are four, the was like four Huge. feet around. They're big. Their heads are big. He did it twice so, on the way there and on the way back. So yeah. Well, so, I'm sure that, we appreciate it. And I'm sure the turtle appreciated it. And you've got a few <laughs> comments here. Thanks for sharing. And Sarah from Invincible loves to hear the turtle story as well. <laughs> um, we are running close to our stop time, which we have to stick to today because the virtual okay. spring rendezvous is also happening. Um, and that starts at 630. So I've got to switch gears in just a few minutes. But we've got about, like I said, about five minutes what are some advice that you would have to those who might be watching this and are still planning for the great loop and trying to wrap their brains around all the things they're going to see and experience and need to know? Um, read all you can read, read like, all you, yeah. research, 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 listen to the stories, waterway guide, loopers companion, everything you can read, you know, all the books. And what, as much as you read, it's all going to change. <laughs> but then do your do your own thing for sure. Yeah. Um, it's great to have all that information to make uh, the best judgments as you can when situations arise. Um, one piece of advice we gave a, well, it was a looper that hadn't left the dock yet. <laughs> this is good. And we were up on, on Lake Huron and he and his wife were, we're at the dock with this new boat, new boat to them. And so well, they had their looper flag flying. So when, when, when do you guys start? So oh, we haven't started yet. My husband still has this long list of things to do for the boat to, to get it ready before we leave. I just shook my head. I said, well, you know, as long as the boat is safe, you know, the engines are running, seacocks are fine, you know, and all the safety stuff's done you'll always have stuff to do on the boat. So if he's planning on getting it all perfect before he leaves, you'll never leave. And they left the next day with us. Wow. <laughs> so, he went over his list. He's like, yeah, he goes, oh, I yeah, guess I'm I, ready to go. Yeah. This stuff I can do, you know, I yeah. can do this along the way. I can, you know, I can fix this cabinet latch later. You know, it doesn't need to yeah. get done right away. I so, think also spending time, Spending time on you know, a boat, whether it's the boat you're going to do the loop on or someone else's um, for weeks or weekends at a time. And, and, you know, just experiencing what it's like. It's important. Great advice. Love the stories. Um, for those of you watching or, or and listening, uh, David and Amy are headed back to their boat, which is currently in Savannah pretty soon. And we'll be heading up the East Coast. So look for them out there on the waterways. Um, and with that, I think we will close it there for today, but thank you both tremendously. Thank for you, Kim, for doing this. This was fun. Yeah, thank fun. you for all that you do for us. Yeah. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's, it's really a lot of fun for me. Um, I hope you so get out on a boat once in a while. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had the pleasure of, uh, breaking down in Charleston Harbor just this weekend. So. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> you know, it's, it's boating, but the, the funny thing is we pulled into the nearest marina and, tied up and um we're just out for the day so ubered back home and went back the next day to get the boat um and i happen to have on my aglca cap 
And the gentleman who had grabbed our lines the night before uh, was just walking back to his boat and he said, you're Kim from HELCA. I didn't realize that one of you who was there. So that's what you have to love about boating. And, you know, the boat will get fixed, but it was just an, a fun experience. So, yes, I do get out on boats and, and that's more good to hear. cruising very soon, which I'm super excited about. So I'll keep you all posted. And thank you again for joining us. And thanks for everybody who watched us on Facebook today. We'll see nice you all again. hear from everybody. Thank you. Yeah. We do these bi-weekly, so we'll see everybody in a couple of weeks. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>